Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today's topic is OK Boomer, OK Millennial, time for collaboration instead of combat. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders to identify disruptive trends and developing strategies to transform themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted today that our guest is Bob Fish. Bob is the author of Fish Tales, The Making of a Millennial Baby Boomer, and he's recognized as a pioneering merchant for his bold, successful innovation in value-priced fast fashion retailing, notably at Rue 21. As the CEO, he took over Rue 21 from bankruptcy to fast-track winning streak that included a hot pick IPO, building a national network of 1,200 stores and a billion-dollar-plus valuation. Bob began his career at Abraham and Strauss ANS in New York, and within a dozen or so years had risen to become president at Casual Corner, a division of U.S. Shoes. The prestigious retail magazine chain store, chain store Age named Bob one of the top 10 CEOs to watch in t- 2010. Their criteria for making the very short list, wrote the magazine, was the influence they wield in their respective categories and because they're willing to shake things up a bit, which Bob definitely did. So Bob works toward creating a new level of understanding between millennials and baby boomers that's built on the spirit of respect and mutual mentoring. And I can't say strongly enough how important that is right now. Bob wrote the book Fish Tales, The Making of a Millennial Baby Boomer, to bring those two distinct demographic groups together to illustrate how they can learn valuable lessons from each other simply by listening more closely and sharing more freely. Bob's quoted in saying, as saying, I believe that which year you were born and which generation you belong to doesn't matter. What matters is who you are, what you do, and how young you allow yourself to be. So, Bob, thank you first for joining us. What do you want to tell our listeners about yourself before we start into the conversation? Well, it's great to be uh, on your show and program, Maureen, and uh, thanks for, for what you said. Um, about myself is that, uh, again, what, what you quoted in there is to me is it's not important about age. It's important about how you feel and your lifestyle. And to me, uh, it's always that the best is yet to come in life. And I have a very positive attitude and I've worked very well when I was young and uh, really young. Because remember, all of us 
were 25 years old once, Maureen. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, you want to remember and never forget that. And to be able to work and bridge that gap is very important to me. And so, so to me, I've learned to become more open and flexible as I get older and happy to discuss parts of that when, as you go through uh, talking and talk, having discussions with me. Thank you. And I would say even more than we were all 25 once, or to build on that, the folks who are now young will be running the world soon. And it is incumbent upon all of us to do our best to ensure that everyone has a more positive future. And a lot of that does mean reaching into our younger, uh, the talent pool of our younger generations and really being responsible for helping them develop so that we all do um, live the future that we hope to. So what were your thoughts on, on the OK Boomer meme? And tell our leaders what that means if they haven't seen it. <laughs> well, it's been around for a while and it's kind of starting to get tired a little, but you know, because it was okay, Boomer is have a terrible day. And there were t-shirts made about it also. And uh, because it was millennials instead, it's millennials and boomers looking to maybe not be uh, together as a team and more being, uh, you know, antagonistic. And so what I did with Forbes is I did a blog, okay, Boomer, okay, Millennial. And it was more, and I could have millennial t-shirts that have a terrible day, but really seriously, it was more when I put that together about how we can learn to work together. And Maureen, as you said, you know, starting out the program, this could be really more important than ever with everything that goes on in the world right now. And, and that, you know, to me, it is very important. Well, I've done well in my career is to give back to really help bridge the gap between millennials and baby boomers. So, so to me, it's how we work together and, and, and this okay boomer, okay millennial. Thank you. And for our listeners, as Bob and I were talking before the show, part of the conversation was that with the pandemic and other things happening in our, our current ecosystem, there are going to be some people generally more mature in age who either don't want to go back to the workplace for health reasons or for any number of other reasons, and they may be financially able to retire, which I still think will create a, a pretty decent number of openings for millennials who in a traditional time would have maybe been five to 10 years away from stepping into a leadership role and maybe thrust into that much more quickly, which is a great opportunity. And yet organizations may not have trained them to be ready to step in. So in my view, part of why Bob's work is so important is really building on the conversation of how do we help each other move forward and promote a much more constructive millennial boomer relationship. Not to say that some people aren't already constructive, but it seems like there's still some us, them conversations going on that are unproductive. So in the spirit of bridging that gap, Bob, what do millennials not understand about boomers? Well, I think, 
I, I agree again with what you said. I, I, I think that what millennials don't understand is that while they have, and this is what's important for the future for millennials and the boomers, is that while they have some great vision and creativity, they need to also have help to take their vision to fruition. And they sometimes think that they all have it uh, made on their own to do that. And that's where it's important that the boomers really help them. And they're like almost like tough time counselors, because that's what I do sometimes with some of the millennials, where that you help get them to take that vision to fruition. They've got great ideas. They don't always understand that you have to make a profit, Maureen. You know, companies today, yeah. and, and especially with what's been going on in the world so different and change of our new normal that we're living in now, is we're gonna have to make more profits than ever. And you need to show them how they have to have their vision and also make a profit. And one more thing I think is important right now, to teach millennials to take a stand and not fear success. Put it on the line. Don't be afraid to be a disruptor. And that, as you mentioned in the beginning of my bio, that's what really helped me through my life. My book and my practicing of what I do is not theory. It's by actions that happen and how I can give back. So I think that's what millennials don't understand about baby boomers and that they need, that's what we have to be as the baby boomer, pushing them so that we all work together. So Bob, can you give our listeners an example of how you've pushed back because as you've said, many of us have been taught that if we push too much, we are likely to be encouraged to exit. Well, you know, it's a fine line on that, I guess. But, you know, I'm a believer, very straightforward on this and transparent, that if you push on things that really make sense and people don't want to listen, maybe you're not in the right place and or maybe you're not speaking to the right people. You know, my... If I would have just not pushed, I would have not been on the phone with you now from many years ago. And I think examples is, you know, is I think you have to stand up for what you believe, but make sure that you're not just doing it because this is my just my thoughts. It's how you're going to be able to relate those thoughts to another person, whether it's your generation or not. And and I think that we owe it to ourselves that we work to push with people and I'll give you great examples on that is that, um, hey, look, you know, during the recession in 2008, nine to 10, I was building over a hundred stores a year and I, and I led the company to understand and took the leadership role, how to get us there. Or, you know, to me, um, you, you have to take a stand and, but you've got to guide people through it. I don't think Marine that a lot of people in the older boomer or the generation X generation really work hard enough to do that. I agree. I agree. And the, and the, um, taking the stand, at least when I started working was kind of discouraged. It, it, it was different than it is now. Well, you know, I honestly, I always probably, uh, if I had to do it over again, the only thing different, I, I would probably, you know, well, the word disruptor was not a good word in the old days. Now it is. A good <laughs> word. 
<laughs> you know, disruptor was bad. But I grew up and worked in a company, Abraham and Strauss, where I got my background in New York and had some incredible mentors, um, which you find and make yourselves. You don't, they just don't grow in trees. But we were in a, an environment where they accepted confrontation and speaking up. And I built a team of 20,000 people at Rue where I wanted the people to speak up. I wanted them to hear what they had to say. So I believe it's our role to keep pushing that. And that's what I do with the with the millennials but and and i think that they have good ideas it's how do they get that across and who how they get to speak to and so so to me i i think it's important so i i absolutely agree so that jumps us into then what do baby boomers need to understand about millennials and it sounds like one is that they grew up in an era where disruption is positive yes i think that what boomers need to understand, you know, a stand about millennials um, is that we should not, we have to be opening up and not be overbearing and self-appointed lecturers or, you know, just being, you know, stuffy and this, well, I built this and you should understand this, you know, um, you you need you need to be open and sincere and, and honest about things, you know, look, I had 400 people in my office and 300 of them were 20 to 30 years old. And out of the 20,000 people in my organization, 90% were 20 to 35. And so you had to be open to listening to people. And now more than ever, you need to do that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I just want to echo how important that is when we look at the leadership competencies that we believe are what's required during a time of disruption to move an organization forward. One is innately collaborative, and that presumes that you're collaborating with people with differing points of view, not people who who look and think exactly like you. Well, I think also what the baby boomers need to understand with millennials is that they are so technology savvy. So just like the millennials need to take the vision to fruition with the tough time counseling and training of boomers, the boomers need to understand that the millennials have a great understanding of technology and maybe aren't afraid to push you out of your comfort zone. So we have to learn to work together in that. To me, that's really important to be pushed out of your comfort zone. And so as you get older, should not you might be wiser, but you if you're wiser, then you want to be able to open up more. I, I think that's really important, that, that idea that especially with the pace of disruption accelerating, most of us who are, are staying current are outside of our comfort zone much more often than we used to be, and maybe much more often than we'd like to be. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I, I think <laughs> that, you know, to me, um, you know, again, more than ever um, that we, you know, we need, we owe it to ourselves to push, and, and you seem to be a major advocate of it too, to let the baby, the millennials have their say and speak up, and and which I'm sure we'll talk about soon on reverse mentoring and ideas of that, that, uh, that you know, that are very, very important more than ever right now. Perfect. Thank you. So we're going to go to break right now, and for our listeners, 
think about in your life who are, if you're a millennial, who is a boomer that you respect and who could help you take your vision to fruition. If you're a boomer, who are some millennials who could help you get out of your comfort zone in a way that is also appropriate, someone that you respect who is potentially more competent with technology or whatever area is your growing edge because we all have those growing edges. And it is part of the point for me is that we pick people who we respect. So we're going to go on break. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Bob Fish, and we're talking about his book, Fishtails. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. We are talking about OK Boomer, OK Millennial, time for collaboration instead of combat. And our guest today is the esteemed Bob Fish. So, Bob, in your book, you called yourself a millennial baby boomer. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, I'm happy to say I have the registration and intellectual property for millennial baby boomer. I own it and I'm really using it. So that's exciting. And what it really means is that, you know, 
I think that I'm the first of many because people don't realize we have a lot of attributes of all people of different generations. And, you know, a baby boomer can have attributes that are from millennials and millennials from uh, baby boomers. And I'm just really opening people's minds up that the, to the bridging the gap and realizing there's an incredible amount of white space opportunity of how we can learn to work together. And now with everything going on in this world and the new normal, it becomes even more important. And you said, and we in the intro, uh, and I'm going to read it back. I believe that which year you were born or which generation you belong to doesn't matter much. And I think you just captured that. It is there is a data point about my year of birth and what category I fall into from an age demographic, but that should not dictate my mindset or how I behave necessarily. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more about that. And, and that to me, look, I can't change maybe totally how I look or my chronological age, but as far as my lifestyle, look, I built a very big business, did very well and, and all that. But to me, more important than ever is giving back and coming up with things to that I want to use from my experience, not just theory, to help especially uh, younger people how to get ahead and do better than they ever thought they could do. And when I work, I started working with Steve Forbes and then Adam Witte, who is the president CEO of Forbes Books, you know, we did feel there was an incredible opportunity of, of mutual mentoring and, and working together and realizing that the millennial can speak up to the baby boomer, not just the baby boomer speaking down to the millennial. I think that's a brilliant point, and specifically up and down, that perception versus mutual. So one of the things you've talked about is that mutual mentoring helps bridge the gap. Can you just explain what that is and how it works? Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, I formed, and it's very exciting, I have a millennial advisory board, and they're hmm. made up of you know all different generations, not just only millennials, but have a good amount of them. In fact, uh, um, I'm in the middle of a series of millennial advisor board salon uh, meetings where on Zoom, where I'm bringing people in from outside to be part of the club, not just the board, to really discuss key subjects of how to bridge the gap. Mutual mentoring is exactly important of that what I said earlier of listening to both groups and to be mutual teamwork and really pushing that. And with the new normal world, it becomes more important than ever. And what it's all about is also utilizing more, Maureen, reverse mentoring. And what reverse mentoring is, is like, as Adam Witte said to me, gee, I didn't realize I'm still a millennial. I can, you're right, we can, why shouldn't I be able to speak up to the baby boomers and teach them things? And so in my company, Route 21, I formed groups of people to work together that were younger people that could help you know, push things forward. And I'm starting to see uh, other companies do the same thing. Uh, Estee Lauder with uh, 
Federico Fida, who is the CEO, five years ago, he took young millennials and put them in positions of traveling the world, coming up with new business ideas. And now he has over 300 millennials working with 250 leaders of pulling that together. And here's a company that's a huge company that, that believes in young people. And, and I don't believe that we can be successful now without working on that. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for giving real examples. Can you talk a little bit more about what, uh, go more into detail on, on the example you just gave? How does that work in, in daily practice? Well, so, so for example, is that, you know, like even putting together my book and building my franchise and brand, you know, is I started out and brought together nine millennial advisory board team, which half of them were millennials, and but there was also baby boomers and Generation X. And they really helped me put together and guide me of how I should put together the book because to be able to listen. You know, we don't listen enough. I call it weaponized listening. You know, to me, it's mentoring, which we kind of touched upon earlier, that's so important to mentor and have mentors. And that's really important. And to have leaders. And then it's it's listening. And to me, that's what bridging the gap is all about. And it and you know, in both generations, people don't always listen. And I think that even hope sometimes Look, people would, could accuse me like I was adamant of what I wanted to go over and go through in building something. If somebody had a really good idea, then I needed to listen to it. And I want people to feel, and that's what I push on, that it's okay to listen. It's not only okay, it's required. Yes. On but both you know, sides. But you know it doesn't always happen as much. Whether you get the baby boomers nervous that, oh, is this guy going to take over or a girl going to take over my job? Or the, the, the millennials sitting there saying, like, God, is it going to take 20 years before I can move this person to get ahead? It's also listening, but it's but listening mm -hmm. skills are important in weaponizing listening skills is is not is is listening to another person. It's but it's 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 also listening to your customers. Who is your customer? And it's also you you have to open up where it's I, I might have a good idea, but I need to see how this is going to play out with my boss or my peer. And that's what needs to happen more. And that's what I push on. That you know, I'm not trying to to have people to, to to not let them have great enthusiasm, but but you want to have you want if you come across to these millennials with the right way of handling them, then they'll have respect for you and they'll understand why you're saying that. And I think it's our jobs to push it. You know, as you say that, there's another category I, for me, and that is for those of us who are older, we often think we're supposed to have the answers. So we talk more. And for people who are younger, trying to sound like they have earned their right to be in the room. So there's also, well, I have to prove myself on both sides. So I also wonder about the listening to myself. So when I'm in a conversation, how do I sound to the person who's invited me there, whether it's a younger person or an older person? Let me give you an example of something on that, because what you bring up is very key. And that 
when I would go into board meetings pre preparation or the so-called fun, which they weren't always quarterly conference calls when you're a public company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so because, yeah, but it's all part of the game. But but I would play it out a week in advance, a couple of days in advance, sometimes with my team of how it's going to come across, you know, with a board with, with board members. And, and, you know, so it isn't just oh, here's what I'm going to tell them. This is what I want to do. How are they going to play it and hear it? The good points and the bad points or tough points, you know, and how to get across on that. And so we would sit down and discuss that in advance. And that's one of the key lessons, which I call school of fish lessons in my book is a practical things that, you know, you need to really play things out to see how people are going to think about it. Young people get very headstrong. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build it this way. Hey, look, I was working with somebody, Sergei Petriosov, who was building something called uh, Jet Smarter, which was going to be the air A, air A and B. And, you know, he was building this big business and everything. And sometimes it you know, he needed to have a good mixture of, of baby boomers with millennials and listening to, to people and that his ideas were good, but could he take it to fruition? And so, you know, to me is that you need to show people that. And that's where the tough time council comes in, Maureen, because because you could be tough on young people. They've not experienced people at 25 and 30 years old being in front of board of directors or being in front of equity groups. <laughs> so so they you know, they need to understand that and they need to learn to be practical. And so they take their vision. But how do we make success out of it? Great. That that's a beautiful. Sorry. Go ahead. Did I interrupt you? No. Okay. The thing I want to come back to because it just strikes me as foundational, especially and and I will say either age group. So it is not necessarily more common in older or younger people, but but that paying attention to how am I being perceived? So I want to convey, I want to share lessons about how to, how I think someone needs to prepare for a board call, watching the body language, even if it's on zoom, doing the role playing and continuing to check in on, are they getting what they need from me? So stepping out of myself and really being, in service of and it sounds like you do that a lot well when when we were in the startup more the of the pandemic crisis timing and people staying at home and all that who are working from home and now they're more open to being not at home you know and, and it is a variety of that is that what i find that People management felt like, okay, I'm going to either do a quick call with the whole team or I'm going to send a letter out and that letter will get the people like, as, as, you know, getting out of the getting into the water and getting out of their zones and out of the box into the water and everything's going to be fine. You have that call or you have that, you know, little memo 
And nothing comes from that. You need to reach out to these young people and you needed to reach out to them and to call them sometimes on their own and say, hey, how are you doing? You, know, you had some good ideas. I want to talk to you about it. When, when you were in person all the time, it's easier. But some people aren't doing that. They weren't doing it, Maureen. And I think that that's important mm -hmm. for the future, too, is, is that whether people work at home or whether they have a combination working at home and in their office is I believe it is the job of the Generation X or Boomer, who is the, usually the leaders in that, to really speak up, to, to make them feel comfortable. Because as I said, everybody was 25 before. And when you were 25, you wanted to be heard, just like you want to be heard now. And you wanted, it, you wanted, you wanted recognition. Well, in, how, do you, that's, how do you do that unless you really open up and speak? So to me, those are practical examples of what we have to do. I think that's really helpful. I, you know, I, I know that there are differences, and I'm not trying to minimize those. But as an early 20s professional, I wanted to rise in the ranks. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to do valuable work. I don't know that our younger generation aspires much differently than I did. And I thought I should be getting it all now. I didn't think I had to wait 30 years to get something to happen. Well, I think that that's a good point. We, though, were a little more patient about getting ahead. Young people today think, I'm not promoted within a year. I'm not vice president. If I'm not a millionaire by 30, is there something wrong with me? There are a lot of people that think like that, and that has a lot to do with their parents. Because you, if you think about it, we weren't from a generation like now where these young people, if they came in 10th place, they got a trophy. We didn't get a trophy for 10th place. You got a trophy for the first place. That was it. So, so to me, I think it's uh, it's a generation where that they need to think about putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Even though I became mm -hmm. a CEO at a really young age, you know, at 36, 37, I felt I had a lot more to learn and needed people to help teach me them. And so I think they need to calm down at 25 and 30. And that's what I speak to people that to seek new things, but don't think that you have a problem if you don't have the answers in within a year. Why? Mm -hmm. The 25 year old's going to live to a hundred Maureen. They're going to work for 80 years. Okay. So they, <laughs> well, they may not work for 80 years, but yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, to me, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, the people born today will probably live to 110. So there's a lot going on out there. Take one day at a time. Put the pieces of the puzzle together for success. And that's what we also need to work with them on. Beautiful. And I would say to peers in your age group and mine, and we're probably fairly similar in that, that we also need to be, unless we plan on retiring in the next five years, and even still, unless we want to be pushed out sooner, we need to be learning. So we're going to go on break. This is Bob Fish and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about bridging the gap between millennials and boomers, and also just the idea of how do we all stay relevant during a time of disruption. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. We are talking to the author, Bob Fish, and he's talking about fish tales, the making of a millennial baby boomer. So we've been talking all the way through about bridging the gap between millennials and boomers. And Bob, you say that millennials and boomers can learn from each other. Can you give us some personal examples about what you have learned from millennials and what was the process like? Were you always looking to young people to to help you stay current? I was looking to young people to stay current when I've been a little older, but I used to look to the older people to stay current when I was younger. So, but anyway, um, yes, um, I think one of the things that is hot on my mind on that is that I really reinvented myself in the last three years after I left Rue. I founded Rue, built it to a great level, and then it was just time for me to move on. And but you know, and yes, I you know, I look, I built a business and and went public in 2009 and then went private in, in 2013 and then sold the business for over a billion dollars and, 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 you know, and, 
that to me, it was really, I reinvented myself. I became a Forbes published author and also building my franchise. And it was difficult, but I looked at it that, you know, I want to keep giving back and doing things that can really help. And young people, for example, my millennial advisory board, a few people really pushed me and said, Bob, you tell us that we should be getting out of our comfort zones. You should be doing the same. So I was open to listening and that, you know, I didn't want to let them down. And they pushed me to think harder about it, Maureen. And so I think that uh, we we have we whatever, whether you decide to retire, whether you decide whatever that means, you know, but retiring doesn't mean you're just sitting on a rocking chair. You're going to do things in life. You know, to me, it doesn't have to be monetarily, but I still believe the best is yet to come by how you take life and handle life and, and what you what you make out of it. So that's my feelings and that I believe you should push for that. And I really look, nothing makes me feel better than seeing people develop that I helped develop or that in my book where more, if people read it to see who I could really do well, that's what makes me feel good. So I'm going to go slightly off script. So you make it sound really easy, this whole transition. I was a really successful CEO, and then I did stuff I didn't understand and was new at. My guess is you had some pretty uncomfortable moments where you questioned yourself and uh, felt uncomfortable not knowing what you were doing. Can you tell our listeners about that? Because it's, it's so easy to think that you had some special life and the rest of us had to work hard and fail well, and but deal I, with I, failure. But, but, but you see, I don't look at it that way. First of all, I didn't grow up where I had a family that had money and I could do this and just that. I was, I became in my twenties. And I think this is important for the millennial person to listen to, you know, is that I started to realize that I wanted to make the best for myself and and I didn't come from any background where that I was given a silver spoon. I I I really pushed in any difficult situations, Marine. I just put myself out there and said, I'm not going to let myself fail on that. And I'm going to show people what I can do. I had people that would tell me, you'll never build this. I had people that tell me you're taking over Route 21. It's going to go out of business. And I'm not somebody who says, oh, no, you're wrong, and I'm just going to make it happen because I want to. I put it together with a whole strategic game plan. And so I never really had things where I doubted myself. I I think we have to work with people to not doubt themselves that much. I had struggles. I made mistakes, you know, but but push yourself because struggles become the successes. Just, just like what's happened, you know, with our whole crisis that we've been through and this stuff, it becomes successes and young people can really learn from that a lot. So I, when you say, I, I, I never, it was me pushing all the time. And because people used to ask me that, what made you want to be successful? And it was my desire to really do well was pushing myself and listening to mentors, finding and seeking out people that could help me. So how did, who, tell us about one or two of your mentors. What criteria did you use to select them? And then how did you build the trusting relationship with them? 
Well, first of all, mentors are sometimes your bosses and sometimes not your bosses. And some of them were like, you know, Mickey Drexler, who uh, built, he was uh, he was the divisional merchandise manager when I was at ANS. Obviously, Mickey is somebody that built the gap and J. Crew. So he is the merchant prince. And I would really watch him. And even though he wasn't my direct boss, he was somebody that I watched and I watched his techniques of how to do things and and lead and, and really build to being a merchant. And I learned from that. The same thing with Michael Jeffries, who built the company called Abercrombie and Fitch was at ANS. ANS was a great mentoring background. And I attribute that the same as if you played for the Boston Celtics or the Lakers and you had Red Auerbach, you know, or Pat Riley was the coach of the Lakers, you know, and, and you learn from them. And, though, and then the people learn from them became great coaches themselves. So I'm a real believer that people ask me, you're lucky that you had mentors. No, you find the mentors. Some are your bosses, some are people that you just barely know and 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 you learn from them so so those are some examples of that I learned from people and I could go over more, but we don't have time. But, but I, it's in a chapter in my book. I have seven or eight mentors, um, Leonardo De Vecchio and Claudio De Vecchio, who, um, who Leonardo, they own a company called Luxottica and Claudio's son owns Brooks brothers. You know, when I worked at casual corner and they took over, that was a real struggle, but I learned from them. It wasn't tough. They were from Italy. They have a different mentality. And I always felt in life that what can I learn more of that makes me better? I know it sounds corny, but that's really what it was. And that's what I try to push people, that you have an ego that you're proud of yourself, but don't have an ego that you can't listen to other people and learn from them. So it sounds like you really have taken to heart the mindset of learning and curiosity, um, so being intellectually versatile and reflective. Yes. Hey, look, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm a baby boomer, okay? Obviously, I've been in business over 40 years. I still run four to five miles every day, okay, on a treadmill, and sometimes 10 miles an hour, okay? I look at life that, sure, things can be tough, we, 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 what we're dealt with. And I've had adversity of some things that, you know, health-wise or different things, or, but then you try to overcome them. And then, you know, but to me, it's my outlook of, of how, yeah, I do feel fortunate about one thing, being here every day. And that this whole pandemic that had happened helped us go into a new normal and that we take struggles and learn from it for young people and older to make themselves better, uh, to have more job opportunities for younger people for the future. And I think it's their role to embrace it and to not get woe is me. And I do think that sometimes that happens. I'm not saying that some people I don't get me wrong. I, I work with also baby boomers and, and, you know, some people said, gee, I wish I did something different in my life. But the one thing that you got to do before you get to that age and maybe even when you're at that age is to still be fearless that what can I still do that I can do better on and, and not to be afraid to take a stand and stand up for what you believe. You know, I'd say that message is as important for boomers as it is yes. for younger people. Because to your point, many of us will live. I was meeting with a colleague this morning who is in her late 60s. And she said, I'm likely to live to be 100. She's right. publishing a book this week. 
it, yeah, it'll be released this week. And she's she isn't working in a traditional job uh, going to an office every day because most of us are not. But she's planning to be productive for the next couple of decades. And so in, in my parents' era, you, we weren't thinking about working until 80 or 90 in some capacity. Right. That is the new normal. And so yes. I've seen her, when her husband was diagnosed with cancer and uh, she was part of my team. And as he went through the cancer struggle, she left the team. We've continued to collaborate. And a decade later, she's still incredibly generative. I, I think what you got to get out of the mindset of is that age is important. Yes, if you have something serious happening to you, by all means, you, 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 you know, something, you can't always control that. But if you don't, then you can control almost everything else. If you're, if you can be healthy, and and there's nothing more important than that. And that I look at things as why not? Look, it's not how much money you make. It's not that's not important to me now. It's important of what I. Nothing makes me more happier than knowing, like one of my individuals that when I was a cat, when I was at Rue 21, I had a store manager from Sevierville, Tennessee. And she was the, the in Pigeon Forge in Tennessee. Not everybody's gone there. And she developed herself. I thought she had great potential when I met them in the field. And she became a, a, a branch, uh, I mean, a district manager. And then she went on to Smile Direct Club. And now, a few years later, is the is the director of all their operations of building that business. And so I feel she did it on her own, but I was there in the beginning saying, you could be further. And believe me, she wasn't, I wasn't her boss. There were three or four levels in between, but I would look for people that had potential, just like people look for me or that I made them look for me because I think that's what you do. And so to me, nothing's more rewarding than seeing somebody doing really well that you could contribute to. And I think in life, that's what we need to do. And so, so to me is, is I'm a firm believer that you have to push for that. And, and yes, outside of some major injury or a disease or something, then, yeah, I think, yeah, people should want to be in vital as they get older. And, and look, I, when these young people become 80 and 90, th that's going to be like 50 years old. It's, it's the way it is. You, you, <laughs> We look at our parent. We looked at our parents like they were old in the seventies or something like that. Well, that's not the case. So, so hey, look, you know, I, I just turned seventy this year. Okay, but believe me, I don't. I outside of that, I don't look like I'm twenty five. I am twenty five when I want to be. I like to be with all different ages, but but <clears throat> I have great friends that are twenty five to thirty five years old because I look at it as I don't want. I want to be able to get out of my comfort zone and to enjoy things. So, so I, I, I look at life a little differently and I think that's what I try to push on with people to do and, and, uh, and sure, I make the best of it. So it sounds like you are one genuinely authentic and truly care about the people with whom you work and, and mentor and you really do lift people's morale. I certainly try. I believe in being an authentic leader. I don't like to procrastinate. 
I look at it like I did a thing for, for Forbes on robotic leaders versus authentic leaders. Robotic leaders are divisive, poor morale. They care only about themselves. They pretend to listen. They, they you know, we could speak about a few interesting people on that, which we won't mention. <laughs> and, We've only got two minutes left on the show, yes. so let's not go so, there. So, so, no, we're not. But I had to say that. But, but the point is, is that, you know, I'm not a believer that you just stay in your own swim lane. You help people out of their lanes. I think you should be vulnerable. I think you should be caring and you should love people. And I know it sounds very corny and hackneyed, but it really isn't. And it's like, that's how I built a big business through. That's how I live my life. And I think that when you're honest with people, even you say, you know what? I either screwed up on this for you or I'm not sure how to do this. They trust you more. I want to be trusted. I want to be able to build something and have people, and I want the young people to understand that trust is important and that, you know, to be authentic about it and to give back and to be there for that. And, and, and that to me is important. And, and, I, and, and to me, it's all about people, isn't it? And that's what my company was all about and that I had people that understood you know, and you push to make sure they understood what to be successful. And so to me, it's all about people and relationships. And that should never go away, even in a new normal. Beautiful. beautiful. That's a beautiful way to wrap up. So can you give our listeners the name of your book, contact information, and then I will close the show. Sure. It's Fishtails, the making of a millennial baby boomer. And, you know, my website is millennial, excuse me, millennialbabyboomer.com. And it's a great, exciting site where I've got a lot of things of different media and blogs on there. You can get the book, whether it's an Amazon or Target or Barnes and Noble and other fine stores. And go to Fishtails1, F-I-S-C-H-T-A-L-E-S-1, which is my Instagram, because you never know what I'm going to say in there, you know, in there. So, so, but that's uh, what it is. And, uh, and I really look to keep building and to me, the best is yet to come. Bob, thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Please tune in again soon, like our show, share it, and send me comments either at info at innovateleader.com, connect with me on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf, or on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.